Okay, hello everyone and welcome to episode 9 from IPNO from home. We are of course as always live from my couch. Today, we have a very special guest who is the executive vice president for strategic planning and operations and chief operating officer at Rutgers, Tony Calcato. Hey Tony, what's going on? Hey, how are you guys doing? Uh, you've been keeping me entertained over the last 9 episodes and don't worry, that I had to wait nine episodes in to get on the show. <laughs> Apparently, it's a very coveted um, invite, and uh, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I think you forgot where that paycheck comes from. But okay, <laughs> we had to. We assumed you might be busy. <laughs> we can't just drop the showstopper on the first episode. You we know, we need to the... keep people wanting more. We had to get good. out the kinks. Very good, Paul. Very good. <laughs> so it's okay. great to be here. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. So I guess let's just uh, jump right into it. So um, as someone, uh, you know, who is so intimately involved in the day-to-day operations of the university, you know, you're the chief operating officer, you obviously have a very different perspective than most people in the Rutgers community. So what would you like to express to those people who don't have the same level of involvement that you do? So maybe a little bit of um, history is... um is a good way to get started, right? I was I was I was kind of thinking about this because I'm putting um, some information together for our boards, actually, and I thought, well, you know, this this would work well here as well. Um, so this really dates back to when we first came back in January. Now we're already at the end of May, right? Monday's June first, so we come back in January, and um, you know, word starts filtering out of China for all intents and purposes, right, kind of right around the new year, um, that there's this new virus that's really deadly and, and you know, they're struggling with. And, and um, you know, we start to hear this. And then somewhere around the second week of January, when we all came back from break, mid-January, um, there were some small teams that started to get together. And it really revolved around uh, global and study abroad programs because we had a lot of people, a lot of students and a lot of research, but a lot of students primarily in places like China and places like uh, in Europe and and actually right in Wuhan province, we had students. So um, we're starting to get nervous, you know, what's going on? How is this developing? And, you know, you're dealing you're dealing with a big difference in time and culture and all of those types of things. So so we had people from occupational health and from student health and from global and study abroad and from our office of uh, emergency management. We're all uh, already getting together. Right. So this is a small team, student life, student affairs, small team of people who are are talking this through. Um, for the most part, and trying to figure out what's happening. So somewhere around the end of uh, January, actually in the beginning of February, um, so we have an emergency operations plan that works through our Office of Emergency Management that deals with um, any crisis that affects um, the university. So the crises are not just bad ones, right? We can, it's also the people who got together and ran um, the presidential visit from uh, Barack Obama for grad, for commencement. So, you know, it's good stuff too. It's not just bad stuff, right? But um, but we, we've got a lot of experience in how to deal with, with these types of issues. So I think we got together somewhere in the middle of February and it was just an informational 
and we probably had about 60 or 70 people in the room when we were from all over the university and that's the way it operates and maybe another 50 on the phone so well over 100 people and we start talking through this and we, we start to understand that you know this is what's happening and we need to really start to look at what may or may not occur and our luck uh, in many respects, is that we now have um, Rutgers Biomedical and Health Sciences as a part of us, right? So epidemiologists and Brian Strom, the chancellor, is actually an epidemiologist and had lots of great information. So um, as we as we work this through and we go through this meeting and it's all informational, but less than a week later, um, you know, we start to see where things really got ugly was in Italy. That was kind of the turning point, right? And the real turning point was we went from like um, 60 cases and zero deaths and turned on, you know, the news the next morning. And they're at like 260 cases and six deaths overnight. And then they just exploded. And then we knew we were in trouble. And that's when we start making decisions about bringing people back, about how are we going to do this. Um, by the end of February, we mobilized uh, the Office of Emergency Management and and the and activated our emergency operations plan. So we put together uh, 14, I think, team leads, and those are things like dealing with labor, dealing with student life, uh, dealing with logistics, dealing with um, uh, communications. You know, we've got to put stand up a robust communication program, and we put them all together, and. Um, and they, of course, had their own team. So, so we probably had somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 200, 250 people working on this at any given time, including academic program. And as it starts to unfold, and we're getting into March, and we know we know this is just going to be uh, a real, a real problem, right? The wave is coming right over Europe. You see it happening. There's no doubt about that. So, um, you know, we stand up a. a a website because we know we have to do central communications going through one place. On March the 12th, we actually declared a university um, state of emergency. And what that does is enables us across the university to marshal all of our resources, put everything in one place, put everything under one person. So the way the Office of Emergency Management works is um, I, uh, a few years ago, I was appointed the emergency management coordinator for the university. So that's appointed by the by the board and that's um, required by state statute and then reported out to the state. And we have a director, Steve Kellerman, who is a permanent running of that area. Um, and so then we put together a uh, governance um, component. So I report to the president, the chancellors are, are the governance surrounding this, the teams work with me and I chair what can be best called a task force within within that office to deal with this crisis. So from there, things just broke, right? The 12th, we, we have to get, we now recognize we're going to have to go remote. We expand spring break. We need to flatten that curve. We need to get everybody out of the dorms. Um, and that's the reason why we did it, all about flattening the curve. We need to get people telecommuting, and the issue with that is, well, we're not a telecommuting institution, right? It's not something we know how to do well. So, you know, this is like changing four flat tires on the car while you're doing about 80 miles an hour on the parkway, right? You're just running and going and running and going. And all of our sister um, 
um, organizations are with us. So we have, you know, the, the balance of IPNO, but we have OIT. I know we had Frank Reed on, also before me, by the way. Uh, but that's all right, because I've worked out three generations of Reedas, by the way, dating back to young Rita, there's grandfather. So um, there's family connections by now. So uh, we've got to get 15,000. We, we actually had 15,000 residents leave, but we still had 4,000 here that we had to take care of, nowhere to go. International students, housing insecure, literally nowhere to go. We had to take care of them. We can't do food the same way. We have to change that around, right? All grab and go. And you guys saw all of that and everybody who's who's on here or watching this, whether at the university or anywhere else in their lives today, they've seen it. But that period of time when you're running and running and running and running, it's just incredible. So um, by the, I think the 17th or 18th, we already knew we were not coming back. We would be remote for the rest of the semester. And from there, you know, decisions are made that nobody wants to make. Nobody wants to cancel commencement, and especially at Rutgers, because, um, you know, we are one of the most diverse institutions in the world, not just in the United States, but in the world. And the number of first generation graduates that we have is is astronomical. And I'm, I, you know, I'm proud to go to commencement every year and watch the joy on people's faces, you know, when grandma and grandpa and their mothers and fathers, their extended families are there and they're the first ones to graduate from from their families. And and so when you know you cancel that, it's heartbreaking to do that. And and um and you know decisions of that nature just they're not fun to make. You don't want to make them, but you're forced into making them. So for all intents and purposes, um, you know, we came to pretty much a virtual standstill. I mean, we never closed, but we came to a virtual standstill, and then we needed to take care of who we had here, right? So I think um, that's been the life since I really want to say the end of February, um, at least for me, up until now. So, you know, there, there's six, pretty much six phases that we work on. Um, and these are six phases of recovery, right? You got crisis management, and we did that. Then you look at mitigation. That's kind of towards the end of March and getting through April. So you're putting out the smaller fires, you're making some decisions that are a little longer time. Um, you're figuring out how you're moving forward from here. You're collecting a lot of information. You're doing those things. Um, and then we've transitioned into developing a plan on how to return to Rutgers, right? For employees, for students, for faculty, for for guests, visitors, everybody. And um, we started doing that in um, late April, beginning of May. And um, our next three phases will be socialization of that plan. Everybody will start, you know, here, spoiler, spoiler alert, over the course of the next week. Um, that plan will be coming out more and more. It's now with the administrative council, the top uh, 120 administrators at the university who are looking at it for feedback, and then we'll uh, begin to socialize it across the, the university and look for some feedback, but socialize it. And then we have um, implementation of the plan, evaluate it, and adjustment. So we're probably in our third phase of the six phase plan as we move forward. So 
Um, yeah, I have an up close and personal view. Um, it's very much what I do every single day is all about COVID-19. I got I have more familiarity with I feel everybody's university and, and college and university plan across America that I ever want to have in my life. But but there's lots of things, lots of caveats and, and we have to um, um, you know, we we need to kind of find some humor um, yeah. without minimizing the tragedy that's gone on, right? Because it's it's tough, tough ride all around. So Tony, as uh, as we progress through the the COVID crisis, people are you know bound to have questions about the the future. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you like to tell those people about how the university is planning for the coming months? So, um, I, you know, I'm I have to tell you, I'm really happy that you had uh, my friend Francine on Conway from Gazette. Uh, she's fabulous, and um, and mental health and anxiety today are are probably the number one enemy, maybe even more so, unfortunately, than uh, than COVID nineteen because you know. Uh, everybody's affected and you don't know what, where you're going. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And, and unfortunately, when you're kind of home it, and not really getting out and socializing and doing the things you want to do, it's even worse. So, so I'm glad you had her on and I'm glad she was able to share some of the insights she did um, because I think they're very helpful. So, I mean, the university is open. It will remain open. Um, we have a 252 year history and i'm not going to be the person that's going to screw that history up right so it's it's here it's here to stay there'll be a new norm uh you know the way we we do business so here's some of the things that you'll see that'll be coming out um there'll be staggered schedules there'll be a robust telecommuting program there'll be social distancing there'll be all those things that you would see everywhere always right that's that's those are the things that we'll see we'll have a robust testing and contact tracing program um we will take our time in standing up the university again we're not going to rush into things right we did all the rushing we needed to do now it's a thoughtful process let's remember that that when we are at our strongest you know our community is a hundred a hundred and five thousand people not a small community right between students and and faculty and staff we are the second largest employer in the state of new jersey our job is to continue to mitigate the effects of covid 19 it's to bring people back safely um, and i recognize that uh, as importantly as bringing them back safely is dealing with uh, making sure that they're comfortable to come back so you know we may be seeing only 25 or 30 percent of of our workforce here at any given time i think in face meetings done right we're not going to have in face meetings and people say well you can socially distance in a conference room you comfortable <laughs> i'm not so you know we're, we're going to have to be very careful um as to how we do that but we'll do it smartly and and i think um as you see uh, more information coming out. And again, it'll be a big rush of information over the course of the next week or two. You'll see a lot of stuff. Um, it'll build a comfort level. Look, I, I know this, um, this up close and personal. 
So, and we can, we'll get to that afterwards, but, but uh, we want to make sure we do the right thing. Yeah, okay. definitely. And so just to, to focus a little bit more specifically on IPNO, and, and as you said, we've been open the whole time and at yes. least in some capacity. Um, and oftentimes a lot of the work that IPNO does is behind the scenes, but uh, it seems like this may have, you know, put us right up in the fore and, if you want to talk about sort of what IPNO specifically has done to facilitate maintaining, you know, open operating status, that, that'd be interesting. So, um, interestingly, you know, we hear a lot about on the news, right, essential workers, and we hear about frontline. Well, that's us, right? We are the essential workers in the frontline. So our custodians who come to work every day to sanitize, to to make sure that the place is in order, that so that others can come in behind them. Um, that's us. Our EMTs who have done yeoman's work, not just in responding to health crises, of course, at Rutgers, but in the cities and the communities that we live in, including pitching in and moving um, some of our elderly people uh, uh, from one nursing home to another nursing home and that this is work that they've done in transporting them. I mean, we have a number of ambulances, we have a bus. Um, these are all things that we've done. So we've been at that forefront, setting up uh, intricately working with uh, University Hospital and setting up um, additional abilities to be able to bring in uh, COVID-19 patients and unfortunately helping to set up a morgue, temporary morgues, um, setting up a field hospital in Middlesex at, in Edison specifically, right? So, and in, in, in taking our oxygen equipment there so that we were able to, to help. So our police officers who every day do this, right? Our mechanics, our, our, our organization is at the front lines of what's happening today. And I'm very proud of them because they've been um, they've they've gone above and beyond the call of duty, and they've done it selflessly. And that is an amazing feat, given that they are the ones that have made themselves most prone to infection. So uh, I'm 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 very proud of them. Proud to call them uh, my colleagues, without a doubt. Um, so Tony, you were talking about how you know you had to make all these decisions that no one likes to make because, you know, all these big decisions, there's never going to be a consensus. There's always going to be someone who's going to, you know, disagree. So I would imagine making those kind of decisions is going to be really stressful. So what have you been doing on a personal level just to reduce your stress or unwind after dealing with all this stuff all day? So, um, so let me start, let me start with this first. Um, I work with a phenomenal group of 15 other people who uh, have just been, uh, they're, they're just the greatest people one can imagine to have to work with through a crisis and beyond the crisis, right? So um, I cannot give them enough credit. And honestly, those decisions, you know, the, the decision-making piece gets easier because, you know, they're so good at what they do that it, you know, it, it's easy that we're able to collaborate on all those decisions and, and these big major decisions. The smaller ones, a little more work, um, you know, what's the right call? So a little secret, you almost can't, you know, you, you can make a wrong call, but remember you're making decisions and this team is making decisions that no one's ever had to do before. So 
who's going to question them, right? So, I mean, you, you kind of need to do the right thing. You want to keep people safe and healthy. That's overall, right? Paramount to every decision we make, but they're good people and, and they're, um, and, and they know their business and their subject matter experts. And I have to say, every one of them puts the interests of the university and the students ahead of themselves. So they're selfless when it comes to this. For me personally, um, you know, I've learned uh, that it becomes necessary to detach. And, um, and that includes just you know, every email is going to be there, whether I answer it now or I answer it tomorrow morning, it'll be there. And um, and you, you, you just need to find space and pull yourself away from the fray, because if you don't, um, you will go you will you will go down. And there's no doubt about that. The responsibility on on me and on um, the president and on the chancellors and on the group of people I work with is just enormous, right? It, it's 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 a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure from internal and external forces in trying to do the right thing. And so um, we just need to prioritize, keep our eye on the ball that again, it's all about students, that's what we do. And, um, and then detach appropriately because you need to detach appropriately. So, you know, for me, it's, um, I think one of you is a big History Channel buff, right? Is that you, Paul? That's big into the History Channel, or I thought I heard <laughs> these shows. So you know, mindless. Might have been rich. He lived it. So yeah, mindless information <laughs> on the History Channel and for your information, a channel. So yeah. just break away from that. Now with the summer, yeah. comes a little better, right? We can stay outside, and that fresh air does a. A world of good. The vitamin D from the sun does a world of good. So th this will yeah. be a big difference for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, not even speaking of, of like Rutgers or just just in general, let's say one, once we're in the clear from all this, what's the one thing you're looking forward to doing the most? <laughs> um, so that's, I, I think, getting back to vacation. Right. Yeah, so I like yeah. to travel. Um, and uh, and this has really put a crimp on that. And I'm not really sure after this, you know, I'm not an RV person, so I'm not sure how <laughs> this after that. Uh, that's 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 the one thing, man, if, if, when it comes to the new norm, um, that's the one that concerns me the most getting on a plane or getting on a cruise ship or something. Oh boy, that's the one I really want to do again, be catered to, right? Like right. Have to just bring you everything on a cruise ship. <laughs> I, I can do that. I'm good with that. <laughs> it's funny. I All was right, looking well, at your painting and uh, I, I kept thinking to myself, man, I'd kill to be on a tropical beach right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's there. <laughs> All a little flavor for what may happen in the future. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, Tony, for coming on and for, you know, giving us all this information. I think it was really uh, insightful, not just for us, but, you know, everyone in IPNO and the Rutgers community listening. Um, so we'll give you the last word if there's anything else you wanted to say. Yeah. So, look, um, we'll bring the university back. Right. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, that's our responsibility. We'll make that happen. We'll do that. Um, we'll bring back 
and we'll make sure our academic integrity and continuity are there. We're not going to forsake that for anything. Our research and our clinical operations will be there. Our, um, our, um, we'll rebuild our community in the university and outside the university because that's important. Right? We haven't had the opportunity to really do that. We want to make sure we rebuild that community. That's what college life is all about. Um, that's kind of what makes our lives a little bit easier. It's fun to come to work in that type of environment, you know, at least for me. So we'll do that. On a personal level, I want um, to make sure that people understand, don't be fooled by, you know, the curve being flattened. Don't be fooled by numbers that even in New Jersey we see that are going down, right? There, there's great uncertainty. We don't know where this will go. We don't know if, you know, all the experts are calling there'll be a, you know, another resurgence. There'll be one in the fall. There'll be, we don't know, but certainly experts are calling for that. So I would, I would, um, you know, as a as a person that's gone through this and who was very, very ill, um, I will tell you, make sure that you take care of yourselves and to everybody who listens to this, take care of yourselves, wear the mask, wash your hands, socially distance, be cognizant of your surroundings. Don't be fooled. The virus hasn't left. It's here. You don't want to wind up in a hospital. I spent seven days in a hospital. I, um, it was a horrific experience and you don't want that to happen to you or you don't want to transmit that to anyone else, whether it's your children or your spouses or your significant others or your best friends or your parents. Don't take the chance because being careful, it's easy to do. It really is. Just get into that mindset, get into that, that those behavior patterns. You know, don't lose sight of the prize here. And the prize is to keep yourselves and your families and your friends healthy, right? So make sure you do that. We'll bring the university back, but it's more important to me that you make sure you, you take care of yourselves, okay? All right. Don't worry, because right. I'm not going to hold it against you that I'm number nine in. But that's okay. <laughs> Wait till you go back and there's no desk. That's all right. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right. Well, All thanks. Right. Uh, thank thanks, you, everyone, for listening. And thanks, Tony, for coming on. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Tony. All right.